Amen. Good morning. My name's Jason. I actually do still work here. And uh, I know I haven't preached in the last month, but uh, my wife and I, we were on vacation for a couple weeks. And um, when we were on vacation, um, uh, my mom called and told me that they thought that my uh, my mom's husband uh, had uh, liver cancer. That's what they thought that he had. Uh, and then on the second leg of our trip, uh, come to find out he's got pancreatic cancer. And so um, as soon as we got back home, I, I chatted with Mike. And I just want to say publicly, you know, to our church how thankful I am uh, for our church family and then, too, for our pastors because I said to them, like, I know I just got back from vacation, but I got to go out of town again. And so um, last week uh, they pretty much confirmed the diagnosis that he's got pancreatic cancer. And um, he's, uh doctor says he's got maybe 12 months, and uh, I think that she's being somewhat generous. And so um, many of you know my mom and uh, met her husband, Jerry, and, and uh, I know like Janice is here today, Janice Sharp. Uh, she had us over once for biscuits and gravy and uh, when Chuck was still around. And so uh, um, so anyways, we were there last week, and um, I know some of you thought we were still on vacation, but we were uh, there just kind of helping my mom navigate those decisions. And, you know, it's kind of um, interesting because – uh, while we were there, um, I went and uh, visited my dad's grave. My dad passed away in 2000, and then um, my wife and I we kind of went on a on a little bit of a a trip down memory lane, you know, because my wife and I we started dating in college when we were interning at the church there, and uh, I don't know if you're this way, but sometimes when you um, are faced with death and you're faced with those those situations that you, you have to navigate you start reflecting on your life, right? You just kind of start thinking about, like, what really matters in life. And uh, we drove uh, by uh, the high school that I went to and the gym that I played basketball in, and uh, we drove around this little lake in Auburndale that um, she and I took a walk on when we were still dating and and courting each other, that's what you call it. And uh, and then I told her, I said, you know, that was the middle school that I went to, and in the library there I had my first kiss with a girl, you know, and, uh, and obviously it wasn't her, you know, and so we had that conversation. And so <laughs> it's kind of awkward, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, and so, uh, but, but you do, don't you? I mean, um, you're just reminded that, that life, and I, and I told my wife we were kind of just going and, and, and we were talking through those things. And I said, man, it's crazy, like, how fast things go, doesn't it? Like, it's just crazy how how your life, it just, you know, it, it proves the Bible to be true that your life is nothing more than a vapor. And you're here one minute and you're gone the next. One minute you're in high school and you're just trying to kick it and you're trying to enjoy life and the next minute you got a job and then you've got a wife or a spouse and kids and then, you know, the next minute you're, you're trying to figure out what do I do for retirement and then, you know, this week I'm, I'm talking to my mom and I'm talking to her husband and I'm like, hey, you need to write down what you want for your funeral. And when you do that, to some degree, you begin to think about, like, what's really important, right? You think about what really matters, and, and, and I'm reminded of that verse in Psalms chapter 90, verse 12, and I think every young person should memorize this passage, and I think we should all have it on our hearts, but it's this, teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom, right? You know, teach us to understand that, Every single day that we have on this planet is a gift from, a, from Almighty God. I mean, it's a gift. I mean, every single day and every breath that you draw, I mean, that, that is given to you by a loving, sovereign God. 
And so last week, one of the things that I did, because um, I was in my home church and I, I had the opportunity to hear my pastor preach and uh, that I grew up under, and he talked about, uh, it was just time, the timing of it. The Holy Spirit knew I needed to hear this about the overwhelming um, difficulties that we face in life. And so last week, you know, I just started jotting down things that I was thankful for, right? And, and I mean, the first day I just wrote down, like, we had a great dinner last night at a restaurant that my friend opened up that I went to high school with. I wrote down that I had a bowl of Edie's chocolate chip cookie dough ice cream, right? I wrote down, and I'm not ashamed, but I took a nap on Saturday. I was like, I took a nap today. I'm like, I'm thankful for that. The other night, my wife and I were sitting on the couch watching one of our favorite shows, and, well, it's my favorite. I think she indulges me, but we were watching the show, and and, um, she just busted out laughing, and I wrote down that I was thankful that I could just get to see her laugh. You know why? Because in, in reality, again, we, we take advantage of, to some degree, the gifts and the, the privileges and the, the opportunities that God gives us. And we don't really, to some degree, feel the weight of all that God has given us in this life. And what we tend to do is we focus in on what we don't have. And we, we focus in on uh, 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 things that, to some degree, have this, this fleeting pleasure. And so today, we begin this new series called Something Greater. And something Greater we need to understand that life can be and is uncompromisingly difficult and it's disappointing at times. And I would think that to some degree that I've had a storybook life. I mean, even with all the the garbage on the front end and all the difficulties that I've faced throughout life, I mean, I have a beautiful wife. She's healthy. I have two wonderful children. Um, And Ron Egger, is he here and here today? Ron, Thank you for talking to Ellie for the 30 minutes that you did today because she's wearing me out with the Marvel Cinematic Universe. She's just, she's just wearing me out. And so Phase 4 came out at Comic-Con, and she just needed someone to air that out. And I, wonderful kids, man. But I want you to understand that while life is difficult and life can be disappointing, Christ calls us to live life to the fullest. You with me today? And so while we understand that we need to number our days so that we can apply our hearts to wisdom. We really got to feel the weight that, okay, this life is the life that God has given to us, and we need to live it to the fullest. We need to live it full tilt for something that really matters. Christ unapologetically calls us to something greater, to live for the kingdom of God. And that's what we've been kind of leaning into you all year, pressing into you from Matthew chapter 5, 6, and later on in Matthew chapter 7. The Sermon on the Mount, to some degree, describes what life can be like for us as Christians and as followers of Jesus Christ. And, and, and oftentimes, and, and, and Jenna sang about that this morning, and, and listen, God holds on to us. And there's a powerful truth to know this morning that while this world is fading away and while this world uh, is temporary, we are living for and can live for something greater something more valuable and something more transcendent and something uh, more important than anything that we can find in this world that we think that it can offer to us. And I want you to understand as we continue to look through this passage of Scripture, when we think about the Bible, a lot of times the people approach the Bible as a how-to manual on life. You know, like if my marriage is broken, I can, I can, I can learn how to have a better marriage. Or if my finances are messed up, I can learn how to have a better financial situation. And, and, and while principles may be in the Word of God regarding those issues, 
The Bible isn't a how-to manual on how to have your best life now or a book that pragmatically explains how to get the most out of your life. Are you guys with me today? Because I'm going to tell you, if you genuinely and truly and authentically follow Jesus Christ, the road to following Christ is narrow and difficult, and the road to following the world is wide, and there are a lot of people on that road. Following Christ will actually make your life more difficult. It will make it uh, harder than what it is. But in so doing, you will be more blessed than you can ever imagine or even dream that you would be without Jesus Christ in your life. And so this morning, our calling as disciples is to be known, listen, to be known and loved by Jesus. That's the calling of God on my life. I was walking the other day, and there's a little path that I walk when I'm down there, and, and I was meditating and thinking about this message, and it and I think, you know, to some degree, yes, I need, I need to know and love and, and pursue Jesus. But you know what my calling is? I love Jesus. Why? Because he what? First, he first loved me. And the calling of God on my life is to be known and loved by Jesus. And listen, if that isn't enough, then nothing that this world offers will ever, ever satisfy the deepest longings of your soul. You guys with me? If being known and loved and accepted by Jesus isn't enough for you, There is nothing that this world can offer you that will satisfy the deepest longings of your soul. In this series, we want to consider what it means to pursue something greater. And the very reason that Jesus came was to offer us something more. Life with all of its pleasure and possessions and power fail to compare to a life that has a heart devoted only to Jesus Christ. Now, impatience will cause us to settle, right? Impatience will cause us to settle, and faithlessness will cause us to forfeit what God really has for our lives. And I can give you so many illustrations about this, but, but, but we understand to some degree that oftentimes we settle for less because we're impatient, and we forfeit what God really has because of a lack of faith in the power and the promises that God has for us in His Word. Jesus said in John chapter 10, 10, The thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. And Jesus says, I come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. And so Jesus is this morning on the Sermon on the Mount inviting you and me into something more. He's inviting us into something greater, something more abundant. Now, let me ask you, who wants some of that? Who wants some of that today? Jesus has something more, something greater for those who follow him. I'm not saying to you this morning that that means that like my mom for her husband, that doesn't mean his cancer will be cured because I'm going to tell you, um, God can do that. Yes. And amen. But that doesn't necessarily mean that he will, because the Bible says it's appointed unto man once to die. And after this is the judgment. Our life is not wrapped up in all that this life has to offer. It's wrapped up in what's coming in the life to come. That's what really matters. And so some of us, we live for praise, and some of us live for possessions and others for power. And that's what we're going to find in these sections of Scripture. God calls us to live for something greater. He calls us to live life fully and purposely. Now, how many of you would say to me this morning, I feel like I'm living my life to the fullest. I feel like I'm living in such a way that I am experiencing All that God has for me in this moment in my life right now. Now, don't raise your hand, but how many of us can say, that's my story right now? 
everything God has called me into, everything that God has designed me for, everything that God has purposed me to do, I am experiencing all of that right now. I'm, how many of you would say, I'm living on purpose right now? My life, I can honestly say before God and before myself that I am living out the purpose for which I was created. Now, if you answer no to that this morning, this message is for you. If you say, man, you know, I'm not really living my life to the fullest. I mean, I'm living for my job, and I'm living for the weekend, and I'm living for the money that I can make, and I'm living for this or for that, but I can't say I'm really living out for something greater. I'm living out the full life, the abundant life that God has designed for and the, God, the life that God has called us into as those of us who follow Jesus Christ. You know, you think, when you think about death, you think about legacy. You think about your testimony. I think in Proverbs chapter 22, I read that a couple times this week. The Bible says that a good name is to be chosen rather than great riches. One day, all of us are going to lay in a casket. One day, people are going to come by and they're going to walk by our casket. And they're going to look into that casket and they're not going to be like, well, Jason, he was a He's a good fellow, like he worked for Ford, or he worked for whatever. No, they're not going to talk about who you worked for. They're going to talk about what you lived for. Say, Jason had an impact on my life because he told me about Jesus Christ. Jason had an impact on my life because he helped my wife and I get our marriage back together. Jason, Jason had an impact on my life, and I'm not saying I do all these things, but, but when your day comes and people walk by your casket and the legacy you live will be determined not by what you do for work, but it will be, uh, be about the lives that you touch based on the message of the gospel. You see, we leave a legacy in this life not because we think of this life, but because we're focused on the things ahead, eternity. What would that look like for you? What would that mean? I want to tell you this morning distractions, and we're going to find this in, in verses number 16 all the way through 34. We're not going to read all that today. We're going to look at that over the next three weeks. But distractions... And a divided heart will lessen our devotion. Because here's the key to the abundant life. It's this. The secret to something greater is a fierce devotion to God. That's the, that's the big idea for this entire series. The secret to something greater is a fierce devotion to God. So distractions and a divided heart will lessen our devotion and character. And here's the three things we're going to look at. Character is greater than reputation. Generosity is greater than riches, riches, and faith is greater than control. Now, I'll be honest with you. I struggle with this. Sometimes what the world lays out in front of us seems pretty enticing, doesn't it? Let's be honest. Hey, you can get this job, and you can make this six-figure income, or hey, you can experience this sexually, or hey, um, you can, you can uh, promote yourself in this way, or you can get the praise of others by doing this, and, and you can be popular by engaging in this. And so, so all of these things... We, we chase after, and listen, it's like chasing after the wind, but some of the stuff the world offers, doesn't it seem enticing? Right? I mean, if it didn't, People Magazine wouldn't have uh, an audience, right? I mean, there's an entire show every night at 6.30 called Entertainment Tonight. It's been on since I was my kid's age, right? I mean, you know what I'm talking about. And the, and the breaking news, I, I mean, it's, it's mind-blowing. The breaking news on Yahoo.com was that Meghan Markle, Princess Meghan Markle, the Duchess of Sussex, she wore pants to Wimbledon. 
That's news. And we feed into that because we want that. We want people to look at us. We want beauty and success and and popularity, and, and we want all of those things. It appears that the celebrities and that this world, they have all the privileges, they have all the fun. They do. It appears that way. So in my life, it's not uncommon for me to settle oftentimes for less when God is offering us more. Is that your story? This is played out in our everyday lives, and it's a struggle. I'm going to tell you, it wasn't much different in Jesus' day. Men were forfeiting the life that God had purposed and designed for them for something lesser, uh, not something greater. So instead of praise from men, we are called to devote our lives to pursuing God. Please jot that down today, because that's what our message is about today. Instead of the praise of men, we're called to devote our lives to pursuing God. Instead of the praise of men, we're called to devote our lives to pursuing God. This type of devotion teaches us that character, character is greater than reputation. Character is greater than reputation. And so we see in verse number 16, Jesus approaches the Pharisees, the religious elite of the day, and he says this to them. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. And truly I say to you, they have received their reward. So the first thing that Jesus does is he confronts their character. He confronts who they really are. He confronts like what they're really about. And Jesus exposes the character of the religious elite by challenging their motives for fasting. So this text really isn't about fasting as much as it is about who these men really were and what their goal in life really was. That's what Jesus was after. He wasn't after the practice. He was after their purpose. He was after who they were. And it just goes back to what we've been saying over and over and over and over again in this series is this, this, and this is a powerful truth that needs to land in the corridors of our heart. And it's this, Jesus is more concerned with who you are than what you do. Jesus is more concerned about who you are than what you do. Because ultimately, at the end of the day, if the gospel has touched your heart, you will live out and imitate the life of Jesus Christ. Jesus isn't so concerned about whether you fast or not. He's not so concerned about all the things that you can do to perform for Jesus. He's most concerned about the person that you are becoming as a follower of Jesus Christ. That's what matters to Jesus. It matters to him whether or not your heart is devoted to him. It matters to him about the disposition of your worship and why you do what you do. Because if you're doing it for yourself, you're doing it for the wrong reasons and your motives are not aligned with the heart of God. And so we find that in this passage for the Pharisees, their pursuit of reputation, their pursuit of reputation was a choice to forfeit the reward that God ultimately had for them. And so as we think through what is greater, something greater, they were missing out, if you will, on the life, the abundant life that God designed for them. They were missing out on the life that God created them for. They weren't living for what really mattered in life and in the life to come. Now, please note this today, and young people especially, 
Reputation is what people know about you, and your character is who you are. Reputation is what people know about you, but character is who you really are. And so, again, kind of the, the theme of this particular passage of Scripture is this. Character is greater than reputation. Character is greater than reputation. Now, at the end of the day, you can come to church. You can bring your Bible or your phone or your uh, electronic device that has your Bible on it. And, um, and you, can, you can pretend to some degree that you know Jesus. You can pretend that you're following Christ. You can pretend to be religious and really have an interest in the things of God. And that's exactly what these men were doing. And that's exactly what Jesus was condemning. Because so many of us, week in and week out, we come to church and we bring our Bible and we sit in the pews and we raise our hands and we, we know the game. We know what we're supposed to do. But the Word of God hasn't gripped our hearts. The gospel hasn't changed us. It doesn't, it doesn't impact how we interact with our spouse or with our kids or with our, our coworkers. And listen, hey, listen, I get it. Sometimes, I don't know, maybe you feel like you're surrounded by a bunch of idiots. Like, I don't know. Not me. I work with great people, right? <laughs> you know? And sometimes you just, you, you want to lash out at people because of their idiosity. But man, when you've been touched by the gospel, when it has found its way into your heart, you begin to imitate the life of Jesus Christ. It's not a game. It's not something you do, and it's not a performance that you live. You're not acting out a character in a play. This is who you are. You live out the life of Jesus Christ, and you extend forgiveness. You extend grace, and you extend kindness. And friends, I grew up in a, in a, in a church culture that celebrated the shirt and tie and the suit, and it celebrated the hymns, and, and I love the hymns. We sang some uh, last week, and, and I'm, 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 all, I'm all for that, right? But I'm all for a religion that changes who I am, not just what I do. And if you can sit in church week in and week out and continue to be the same person that you were six months ago or 12 months ago or a year ago or even beyond that, hey, listen, then the gospel hasn't penetrated your heart to the degree that it's changing who you are and what you have is religion and not a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so he begins to confront their character. So I want to kind of throw this out to you this morning pretending to be religious isn't the same as pursuing jesus christ jesus called them hypocrites they were acting they were pretending a, a hypocrite is someone who does the right thing for the wrong reasons and in that case they fasted that was the good thing for the praise of others and that was the wrong thing jesus wants his followers to understand that the important thing about his kingdom is jesus himself that's what's most important. In the economy of God, what really matters is Jesus not pretending or parading around for the praise of others. Because a heart fiercely devoted to God will develop the kind of character that doesn't need the praise of others. And it will free you. How many of you would love to be free from the opinion of other people, right? And so many of us are tied to that. Well, man, I got 20 likes on my Instagram page. You know, I got 50 likes on my Facebook posts. Who cares, right? Who really cares in the grand scheme of things? And we, we live for that stuff. We think it's so important. And yet Christ is like, no, your character is more important. In verse 16, we also 
see not just the confrontation of character, but we see the cost of compromise. And very quickly here, Jesus is challenging our thinking. Don't forfeit your future on the empty praise of others. Look at what he says in this passage of Scripture. He says, look, when you fast, don't look gloomy. That's what they would do. They'd, they look like they were doing something special, you know? Like they were going up and above because they were fasting and not eating. They disfigure their faces. They look sad. You knew they were fasting, but their fasting may be seen by others. And he says, truly, I say to you, they've received their reward. You know what faith says? Faith says, Christ is all I want. Christ is all I need. He is sufficient enough for me. They lost their reward because they exchanged the praise of men for the pursuit of Jesus Christ. Jesus explains what is gained and what is lost when we compromise the devotion of our hearts. It's kind of, it's kind of like this. You might note this today. It's, it's the gain and loss principle. Is what I gain greater than what I lose? And friends, to some degree, we need to be asking ourselves that question on a regular basis. If I invest my life in this, if I invest my time in this, if I give my money to this, is it greater than, is the gain greater than what I lose? And I would say over the years, my wife and I, financially have been able to contribute to the kingdom of God and there's been some things that we've missed out on and other things that we haven't and I'm going to tell you every single time the gain was greater than what we lost there are times where we made decisions to come to church when other people were doing other things and I'm going to tell you every time the gain was greater than the loss and oftentimes we settle for what is less and we lose out on what is more because it doesn't seem as appealing and as enticing as what the world offers. I don't, I don't know if you think about it this way. I think most of us understand retirement, mutual funds. You really don't see the gain until when? Down the road. That's when you see the interest begin to compound. And in our culture and in our society, we want to hit the home run right now. We want the easiest path, the path of least resistance to get where we need to be. And in the kingdom of God, God inverts that and says, no, if you're going to follow me, it's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult. And you are going to be a trophy of my grace and my goodness. And I'm going to display it for my glory and not yours. And in the end, you're going to look back and be like, what an incredible life. What an incredible life. So Christ extends to us a reward. And your life's reward will be found in living out the purpose you were created to live with all the ups and downs, with all the disappointments and with all the discouragements, with all the delights and with all the delays. You will be able to look back on your life and say, you know what? I have no regrets because I left it all on the line for the kingdom of God. And friends, that's something, trust me, that's worth living for. And so Jesus talks about the compromise of the cost. And then he calls us, and I love this in verse 17 and 18. He calls us into communion. And I just, I've been talking about this a lot lately. Because I think to some degree, spiritually, this is where I'm at. And it's just convicting to me to some degree. And he says, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face. Basically what Jesus is saying there, people don't need to know that you're fasting. Right? This isn't a play. You're not an actor. I'm not up here today to tell you about my stepdad because I want you to feel sorry for me. I just feel like people need to know. They need to be praying. I told Frank and I were talking about it this morning. 
And Frank's like, you know, pastor, people die. Frank, thanks for being an encouragement today, brother. But you know he was. Because guess what? People die. And if we're not prepared for that day, we're going to miss out on everything. Jesus calls his disciples to a place of blessing and communion. You know what the goal is? The goal isn't to just get through life. The goal isn't to live in a certain zip code or go travel the world or to experience Disneyland and all the things that we think are of value that this world lays out in front of us. The goal is Jesus. The goal is knowing him. The goal is loving him and pursuing him and making sure that people understand who he is. There's some folks in this room right now that I don't know that you understand fully what it means to be in a relationship with Jesus Christ. And it is the goal of my life and it's the goal of this church to make sure that you are known and loved and accepted by Jesus and that you understand fully what that means for your life. And friends, I'm going to tell you, that's worth living for. That's worth investing in and giving to and, and pouring your life into that. Our growing desire should be to seek him and know him and pursue him. And in so doing, he blesses us all along the way. Now, friends, Jesus discusses fasting. And fasting is a means to removing those distractions. And I asked you in the uh, first part of the message, are you living life to the fullest? Are you living life to the fullest? Do you really feel like in this moment right now that you are living the purpose for which God created you? And listen, I want to say this. We're all different. Right? Some of us are kind of weird. Some of us look different. Some of us seem like we have it all put together. Some of us in here are like super type A, we're D on the disc profile. Others are uh, inspires. Clint, where's Clint at? He's in here. I think I saw him today. Clint, man, he's just an inspirer, man. Don't you just love being around Clint? It just makes you happy being around him. He always sees the flowers, right? Just I love being around him. He just encourages me. You know, I'm not like that. I'm a Frank. People die. You know, <laughs> I, I, if you need, if you're in the hospital and you need someone to pray for you, I'm going to send Pastor Mike. If you need a plan for your life, I will be there, right? I'll help you out. But we're all different, you know? Every single person in this room is different, and their path, it, it's different. And guess what? That's okay. And that's the beautiful thing about the church, and it's the beautiful thing about the kingdom of God, is that God uses a myriad of people that are weird and and misunderstood. And so, as followers of Jesus Christ, let's consider this morning for a moment, what might be dividing our loyalty to Jesus Christ? What is it that's dividing our allegiance to Him? What is it that's distracting us from really knowing and loving and and fulfilling the purpose for which God created us for. See, communion with Christ will be the catalyst that develops your character, making compromise undesirable. Listen, when you, when you know Jesus, are you guys with me? Right here, I'm almost done, I promise. When you know Jesus, and the world offers you a plate of its goodness, you're so full of his sufficiency that you push away from the table and say, I don't need that. I don't want that. that. 
that's not going to help me in the path that I'm on. That's not going to be uh, uh, what's going to help me get to fulfilling my purpose and, and, and truly living out my life to the fullest extent for which God created me. So it's like that old hymn that says, Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full into his wonderful face so that the things of this world will grow what? Strangely dead. It's just, so then you start looking at the world and you begin to see things through a different lens or a different paradigm and you say, man, that's weird. Why are you pursuing that? Why are you going after that? Why do you think that's so valuable? Why do you think it's okay to, to miss out on this? For th- like, We begin to look at the world kind of weird rather than the world looking at us kind of weird. Amen? And I love what Jesus goes on to say in this passage. That your fasting doesn't need to be seen by others. It makes me laugh to some degree when people post their devotions. Like, oh, I did my devotions today, and they post the picture of their Bible. I get what they're trying to do. I've done that before in studying for my messages and stuff like that. But you know what? I think our character is going to be much more developed in private than it will ever be developed in public. Because it's about who you are alone with God. And let me ask you this. Are you more concerned about being much with people? Or are you concerned about being much with God? Like, What's really important to you? Are you concerned about being much with God or much with men? Let me ask you this. Do you have a religious reputation? Or do you have a real relationship with Jesus Christ? And I just kind of want to lean into that for just a minute, and I'm going to close. Listen, some of you sitting in here today, you have a religious reputation. You go around town. Some of us live in Manhattan, Piatone, Frankfurt, some of these smaller towns, and, 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 and people know us. Like, oh, you go to Jackson Creek. Oh, you're a member of this church. Or you're a member, you know, you go, you're a churchgoer, right? How's that working for you? Because I think God is inviting us into something more than people just knowing that we go to church. You guys with me? I think God wants people to know that we have a real relationship with Jesus Christ. And that relationship fundamentally changes who we are and what we do and what we pursue and what we value in this life and in the life to come. We walk around with a bounce on our step. And while we know there are disappointments and discouragements and setbacks and delays in life, There's nothing that can rob us of the joy that is offered to us through Jesus Christ because we know that he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords and he sits on the throne and he rules and he reigns. And nothing in this life can hinder his purpose for you or for me and we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. So God has a plan for your life. And nothing can delay that. Nothing can hinder that. So Jesus in this text is confronting hypocrites. And some might say, well, that proves it right there. Right there. That's why I don't go to churches, because the church is full of hypocrites. (laughs) Yeah. Like every single person in this room at some point in their life has said, I am this, and you did something that was contrary to what you said you were. But that's the beautiful thing about the grace of God, because in the Word of God, in Psalm 1, 30, it says, if thou, Lord, couldst mark iniquities, who can stand? And this church is a hospital for the sick, and all of us are broken by sin, and the one place that hypocrites need to be is in church. Can I get an amen? 
And so Jesus says, or the writer of Hebrews says it this way in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, Therefore, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and every sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. And I love this. Just looking unto Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith. I said it a few minutes ago, but I want to say it again. I don't think God cares whether we fast or not. Some of you need to fast. You need to fast from TV. You need to fast from social media. Some of you spend more time on Facebook than you do in the book. Right? Some of us spend more time in front of the television, and we can talk about our favorite sports character, our uh, sports uh, ball players. Boy, I'm struggling there for a minute. Our favorite athletes. Right? We, we talk about that more than we talk about Jesus. We're more interested whether or not the Sox or the Cubs are going to win the series. And listen, they're not. You know? And quite frankly, it doesn't matter. What really matters is what we're doing with the life that God has given to us. I'm not saying don't enjoy those things. But you might need to consider a fasting to deepen your devotion to Jesus Christ. Because a heart fiercely devoted is determined to remove the distractions from their life. Because if you don't, if you don't remove the distractions, if you don't take care of a divided heart, if you don't do that, you're going to come down to the end of your life and you're going to ask yourself, what did I really live for? What was my life really about? What did I really give myself to for the last 60, 70, 80 years of my life? I had this boat, I caught all these fish, I shot that deer. And is that going to be the trophy wall of your life, the deer that you shot and the bass that you hooked? Is it going to be, and I love to travel, and I enjoy every minute. I mean, we went and saw the Grand Canyon with my kids. My wife, like, walked out onto the edge of the Grand Canyon with flip-flops. The kids were like, Mom, come back, we don't want you to die. I said, girl, she's insured. She's not listening. Let her go. I did. I said, don't go out there. Don't go out. She wouldn't listen. (laughs) But really, what's going to be the trophy room of your life? I hope one day the trophy room of my life will not be seen in this world. But it will be when I get to heaven. And as I even look around this room, and I'll be able to point, God used me to tell them about Jesus, and they're here because they heard the gospel. That guy, he's here because he heard about Jesus, and that lady, she's here because God gave me the breath and the life to let her know that she was loved and known and accepted by Jesus Christ. That's the trophy room for which we live for, not the trophy room in our homes. With every head bowed and every eye closed, How many of you say to me this morning, Pastor Jason, I don't know for certain that I understand what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. In fact, if I were to die today and slip out into eternity, I don't know. I don't know where I would go. I don't know that I'm right with God. I don't even know if I'm forgiven, and I don't know if if heaven would be my home. Would you pray for me this morning? Is there anyone that's like that? Say, Pastor, would you pray for me? I'm not certain that I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, but I'd like to know more. Would you pray for me? Anyone else? Amen. How many would say to me this morning, Pastor, I want to live for something greater. 
I don't want to come down to the end of my life and my trophy room to be filled with a bunch of bass and deer heads. I don't, I don't want to waste my life. I want my life to matter, and I want to live for the life to come. Would you just raise your hand and let me pray with you this morning? Father in heaven, I just thank you so much for these dear folks, and I just pray, God, that as a church, we take a step forward in faith, believing that there's something greater to live for, that a life, a life of purpose, a life that's fulfilled in the calling of God on us, Lord, that is greater than anything that this world sets at our table. God, I just pray that we'd have hearts sensitive to the Holy Spirit. That when God speaks into our heart and says, hey, you need to move this way or you need to follow me here. Or, hey, would you give this up so that, I, so that we can go deeper in our love for one another. That without hesitation, without hesitation, we'd be willing to surrender whatever that might be. And that we would trust, Lord, that you have so much in store for those who trust you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.